Today's reading is from Colossians chapter 1 verse 23 to chapter 2 verse 7. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions, for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them... God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Chapter 2 I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Thank you so much for reading, Ratna. Um, If you can keep your Bibles open to chapter 1 and 2 as we go through it, that would be great. But let me pray for us um, as well as we start. Lord, we thank you for your word um, that it makes us alive that it knits us together. Uh, but Lord, we pray that these words will come and take root in our life and move us into action, that we might really love one another, that we might uh, be able to encourage one another, that uh, in our community, as we, um, as we uh, uh, act, as, as we are changed by it, as we really do love one another, we might come to know our Lord Christ further. Speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You might know that Pastor Francis Chen was in Hong Kong for a while. I invited him actually to, to come to Shatin Church once. Uh, he wasn't able, but if he did, if he did come to Shatin Church on a Sunday, well, what would he say? How about Pastor Tim Keller or John Piper, somebody like uh, Vaughn Roberts? If he came to Shatin, what would they say? What if it was actually St. Paul, Apostle Paul, on a world tour, and he stopped by Shatin Anglican Church? What new knowledge 
would they impart to us? What uh, new practices would they encourage us to adopt? Actually, I know for St. Paul, for sure, he wouldn't encourage us to, uh, do, to, to do anything new. He would actually encourage us the same old boring message of Jesus. Get to know Jesus better. Love one another better. I know that that's exactly what he's going to say because that's what he spent his life doing. He contended for the gospel. He contended to let the fullness of the word of God known, which is Jesus Christ. He contended um, to uh, bring the church into maturity. That's what he spent his life doing. And that's what he would tell us. Remember, Paul once persecuted the church. But in verse 23, he says, now he's become the servant of the gospel. He's become a servant of the church. He put his commission in this way in verse 25. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. To present to you the word of God in its fullness. You see, before Christ appeared to uh, Paul, he actually knew only the half of the story. He knew the Old Testament. Of course, the Old Testament is God's word. And he was zealous for it. But he didn't realize that the Old Testament pointed to a greater reality, the fuller word of God, Jesus, to come. So in verse 26, he says this is a mystery that is, that is revealed through Jesus. Mystery that was kept hidden for ages and through generations. And now Jesus says, come. And through him, the Gentiles and the Jews, all people, Gentiles and the Jews, can have this hope of glory. Whoever calls on Jesus' name will be saved. That's what he means in verse 27, that Verse, uh, the mystery of God, the mystery that has been revealed, which is Christ in you and the hope of glory. Christ in you, you among the Jews and the Gentiles, among whoever calls on Jesus' name, no matter where they are in the world, no matter what the status, no matter the gender or whatever, whoever come, calls on Jesus' name, God in Christ will be in you, among you, and you will then have the hope of glory. It's nothing less. This mystery that's revealed is Jesus. And that's, that, that, that's the fullness of the word that's revealed to us. And I know, actually, the fact that the gospel is for the Gentiles isn't actually that exciting news for us. And we take it for granted. It's like being excited about penicillin. Penicillin, uh, but before its discovery, I mean, penicillin changed medical history. It changed the history. Before its discovery, even little minor bacterial infection from like a bee sting would, would kill you. Surgeries were really dangerous. Uh, thousands of uh, millions of women died giving birth because of all these infections. Even intestinal uh, sort of infection like diarrhea and things like that could be deadly before its discovery. Now, we don't get excited about penicillin anymore, of course, because it's all over. It's so widespread and it's been so effective. And so we don't get excited. I feel like that that's kind of what happens with the gospel. The gospel has been so effective in saving all of us, all of us who are Gentiles. According to one statistic, there's about 350,000 Messianic Jews in the world. 350,000. Sounds like a lot, but actually 2.4 billion people call themselves Christians. 2.4. 
billion people, and most of them Gentiles. In pie chart, it looks like this. You know, 350,000, it doesn't even show up as a line because most of the people who believe in Jesus are now Gentiles. It's been effective in saving so many of us. But before, before us Gentiles were perishing without hope, without having this access to God, without hope of glory. But now, all those who come to Jesus are saved. And what's so glorious about the gospel is not that this, uh, this gospel is available just to a few. It's not a secret knowledge. It's not a mystery that's hidden somewhere. It's a mystery that has been revealed to everyone. It's available to everyone. And it gives this completed salvation to everyone who calls on Jesus' name. Pastor Dick Lucas put it very well. In his commentary, the glory of the mystery lies in its, of this mystery lies not in its exclusiveness, belonging to a few, but in its inclusiveness for its intended for the nations. This mystery is nothing more nor less than the gospel of Christ. And it brought, it is brought to people not by semi-secret rites, but public proclamation. It benefits, its benefits are not for some believers, spiritual elites, but for everyone in Christ. We often think that something is valuable if it's only available to a few, to the elite, to uh, people who have a special knowledge. Well, that's what the false teachers in Colossae were saying. Come. They were using the mystery, the language of mysteries, of saying, actually, I have this mystery, mystery, knowledge of mystery. I have this secret knowledge. Come and learn this practice. Learn this knowledge, and you can go deeper with God. No. The gospel is nothing less than Jesus Christ, the fullness of the Word of God, and it's available to all of us, everyone who calls on Jesus' name. And the benefits of that gospel is available to us all. I sometimes hear people praying and asking before uh, the sermon or something like that, praying for new knowledge or new revelation. I kind of know what you mean. I think what you mean is that you want to be revitalized and refreshed. You want the gospel message to strike you anew. But in order for you to be able to get there, in order for you to be really refreshed, it's not, it won't be through some new knowledge. It won't be through some technique, uh, the latest research that's offered to you. No, it's when you hear of the richness of Jesus yet again. That's how you will be enriched. That's how you'll go deeper with God because Jesus is the fullness of the word of God that's given to you. So when we listen to a sermon, when you listen to a sermon, uh, please don't listen for something that is new or new technique or anything like that. Listen for Jesus. Listen for Jesus when we preach from the New Testament or from the Old Testament. The Old Testament points to Jesus Christ. That's what we're aiming at at Shatin Church. We don't want to give you some secret knowledge or some technique that's available just to, to a few. We want to proclaim Christ, the fullness of the Word of God, every week. And actually, I know that many people um, are thinking about leaving Hong Kong. And if you are listening from somewhere else and you've moved away and you are looking for a new church, please listen. Go to a church that preaches Jesus week after week. Listen for Jesus. 
but also speak of Jesus. Speak of Jesus. Jesus is whom we should be speaking of to one another and to the world. Once again, if we're doing, going to our neighbors and our families or uh, our colleagues evangelizing, and if uh, what we're offering is some technique, some new knowledge that you have to master, some meditative technique or something like this, actually then the burden is on you to master all these things before you go out. Our task is simpler than that. It's much more glorious than that. We are tasked to bring the word of God in its fullness, which is Jesus. We are bringing Jesus to the world, to people. And we say, in him is the completed work of salvation. In him is the richness of the knowledge of God. In him is this relationship that you can have with God himself, all completed in Jesus Christ. That's what we're aiming at. That's what we're aiming at as we go to the world and to one another. Church, what are you contending for? What are you contending for? For what are you striving? Will you strive and contend to make the fullness of the word of God known to the world out there and to the brothers and sisters among us? Paul spent his lifetime contending to make the word of God known, but not just that, not just proclaiming. Take a look at verse 28, but also to admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, with all wisdom, admonishing and teaching everyone so that they may present, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ admonishing, teaching, so that we may present you fully mature in Christ. Under the communist rule in Romania, many gulags were built um, for children, unwanted children. Uh, Thousands and thousands of children were kept in these um, places. When the last dictator died, uh, was executed in the 1990s, Um, the humanitarian workers and doctors came in to free these children. I read this in Atlantic, and this is kind of, this is uh, one person's, um, uh, yeah, uh, one person's recollection. It's heartbreaking. We walk into a pitch black, freezing cold building and discover there are youngsters lurking about. They're tiny, but older. Something like, something weird, like trolls and filthy, stinking. They're chanting in a drone-like way, gibberish. We open a door and find the population of Cretans. Now it's known as congenital iodine deficiency syndrome. Untreated hypothyroidism stunts growth and brain development. I don't know how old they were. Three feet tall could have been in their 20s. Could have been in their 20s. This is what happens when, when someone is complete, what happens to their physical body when someone is completely neglected. But how about our spiritual health? What would that look like? Many of us are born again, heard the message of the gospel. But actually, many of us have neglected to grow in Christ. I know, I wonder how, how, how some of us would look, whether some of us would be about three feet tall, 20 years old, 30 years old. So Paul not only proclaimed Christ, he went and teaching and admonishing 
the church so that they could grow in maturity, that they wouldn't have the stunted growth. He was passionate. He was desperate for the church to grow in this way. And this is what we want to do. It sounds like teaching and admonishing, that's something that Paul could do or Paul should do and maybe the pastors now, the church workers should do, but that's actually not true. If you have your Bibles open, take a look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Chapter 3, verse 16. This is what he says. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you, you plural, teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. It's the same words, right? Let the word of Christ dwell in you, within you richly as you teach and admonish each other with all wisdom. This isn't a charge for some workers, some Christian workers or pastors. This is a charge that's given to all of us. It's only when every member of the church grows and every member speaks the word of God, the truth to one another, to teach one another and to admonish one another, we can grow. I know that I sound like a broken record, but Shatin Church, could you please prioritize small groups? Belonging to one. Prioritize going to it. We can't encourage and warn and teach each other unless we meet one another regularly. Unless we actually, when we meet, open up our lives and let other people into our lives to see what's going on. People can't rebuke us. People can't encourage us. People can't teach us unless we open our lives up with others. Have you ever been warned, admonished, in the church. Yeah, people say things like, things like, have you ever thought maybe you're spending too much at work and not enough time with the church family? Not enough time with your family? I wonder if all that worrying about politics, yeah, do you think that could be a symptom of you not spending time, enough time with God? Oh, have you, yeah, you know what Jesus says about forgiveness? Um, and what happens when we don't forgive? These warnings, how can we say these things to one another when we don't know what's going on in one another's lives? Of course, we have to be careful, kind and gentle when we, if we never, uh, whenever we do this. And we also have to do the hard work of removing the planks from our eyes. But we are called, church, to teach and admonish with all wisdom in order for us to grow in maturity. This Friday is Lunar New Year, and you'll spend a lot of time with your family. Church, church family is your family too. In this coming new year, will you commit to uh, contending for the maturity of the church? Will you commit to one another? Because once again, again and again, Paul and the New Testament tells us that we can grow individually. Individual growth is not the goal. Maturity of the body of Christ is the goal. He says it again in chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, in a slightly different way. Take a look. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. Maturity here is a community that's encouraged in heart and united in love. And that can't get there. We can't get there by our individual um, praying or even reading the Bible on our own. 
we can only get there if we live in community, as we encourage one another, as we receive encouragement from others, as we receive love from others, as we love others. And when we do that, when we are then united in love like this, he says, actually, we come to know the richness, riches of complete understanding in Jesus Christ. Right? We understand who God is, our Trinitarian God, who exists in relationship. We can only know that if we live in community, if we actually encourage and love one another. I know that's difficult. I know that it's difficult to prioritize the church and church family, small groups, uh, things like that. When you are busy already, when, 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 when uh, it is hard. But church, will you contend? Contend for the maturity of the church. We need you. We need one another. We can only grow in community. We can only know Jesus better in community. I know uh, contending for the gospel and contending for the church in this way will require sacrifice. It will come at a great cost. And what it cost Paul was visible in his body. A friend of mine, Mark Menno, Pastor Mark Menno, he, he wrote uh, a book and he, uh, about Colossians. And he uh, says this. It's rather a gruesome thought, I realize, but I sometimes wonder what a pathologist might have made of Paul's body post-mortem. You will no doubt assume I've probably been watching too much CSI and Waking the Dead, but it's a serious question. What sort of story would Paul's corpse have told? It would have revealed a lifetime, a life of incredible hardship. Could you imagine Paul's body laying there, seeing all the scars on his face and his body like he received from stoning in Lystra, from the lashes and the beating that he's gotten again and again? What kind of effect would being, have, being in a shipwreck three times, how would that have affected him? How about the psychological effects? Right, of constantly being in danger, constantly worrying about all the churches and all the Christians, people whom he hasn't even met, like the Colossians. He carries that burden around. He tells us in 2 Corinthians 11 that he's been naked, he's been cold, he's known hunger and thirst all the time. What kind of effect would that have made in his body? A long-term imprisonment. He's writing this letter from a prison. And yet, Paul says in chapter 1, verse 24, in our reading, that now I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you. He rejoices because he's suffering for the sake of the gospel, for people to grow in him, to let the word of God fully be known around the world. He rejoices because he, his vision of the gospel is so big. He loves Jesus so much. His mission is so clear to him that he rejoices in his suffering. Take a look at verse 29. I strenuously contend. That word is actually a brutal word. In Greek, it's agonizomai. Uh, from which we get the word agony. He's agonizing. He strenuously contends. This is a word that, that, that sort of is somebody who's fighting until the very last moment to the point of exhaustion. That's what he's doing. He's strenuously contending for the gospel. In doing so, 
uh, if we go back to in verse 24, he says he's filling up uh, in his flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's affliction for the, for the sake of his body, which is the church. Let me clarify. This can't mean that he's filling up something lacking in Christ's work of atonement. That work is done. His blood is shed. He, it is finished. But the work of bringing the gospel to the world, the work of, of building people up to maturity, that still requires affliction. That still requires uh, suffering. And when one enters into that work, and when he does that work, she or he or she does that work, and, and, and suffers, that person is entering into the suffering of Christ. Because he's entering into the suffering of the body of Christ. That's what he means. I just received this uh, uh, prayer letter uh, from a sister who is going into uh, a Muslim world soon. We know that. that She will suffer. She will suffer in many different ways. But it doesn't have to be going to some far-flung country. Even if you are contending for the gospel in Hong Kong, in this church, for one another, it will come at a cost. It will. Friends, what suffering have you taken up? as you contend for the gospel. But even with all these afflictions, Paul says he can go on. Switch back to verse 29. Because he can go on with all the energy Christ so powerfully works within him. You know, there is no indication Paul somehow received a jolt of sort of spiritual burst, you know, the supernatural injection of like spiritual steroid or something like this. There is no indication that that's happened. After all, the word that he uses is to agonize. He strenuously contends. But with this great power, what he means is he can keep going. He kept going day after day, night after night. Day after day, he built tents. He worked hard during the day. And when that was done, he went to the marketplace or the synagogue or wherever he could preach the gospel. He met with people. He prayed for people. He wrestled in prayer. He discipled people. He wrote letters encouraging the churches to continue to grow in Christ. He faced criticisms. There were false teachers who were taking away the work that he was doing. And, 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 and many times he was tempted to give up, thinking that his work was in vain. But he kept going because of Christ's power, the energy of Christ that worked powerfully within him. Christ's power sustained him, and that's the same energy that sustained the church. Martin Luther apparently went to bed exhausted. Uh, Dwight Moody, the famous American evangelist, his nighttime prayer often was, Lord, I'm tired. Amen. (laughs) John Wesley rode on a horse 60 to 70 miles every single day, preaching three times a day. They contended for the gospel at a great cost. But they knew then God's great power, Christ's great power that sustained them. Church, if you want to know the energy of Christ that will work powerfully within you, minister. Minister to the people around you. You don't have to wait for an official position in the church. Meet people one-to-one. Pray for people. Encourage people. Go to your small groups after a tired day of work. Go and be sustained by the energy of Christ that will work powerfully within you to help you to keep 
going. For what? For what are you contending? Let's not kid ourselves. We're all contending for something. People in Hong Kong, they work themselves to exhaustion, often week by week, year after year. They work hard. But for what? For Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know, when we do this, it will change us. It will change why and how we raise our kids. It will change why we make money and how we spend our money. It will change how we spend our uh, free energy, uh, time, and all those things. It will, it will determine whether we stay in Hong Kong or move away from some, uh, to, to somewhere else. We're not all called to be Paul. Paul's singular. He's unique. In this way, but we are all called to contend for the gospel, to make the word of God, the fullness of the word of God, Jesus Christ, known to the world and to people around us. We're called to contend, to make people present our brothers and sisters around us mature in Christ. Church, would you commit to doing this? And would you commit to doing it when it gets hard, when it gets exhausting? For that's when you'll know the energy of Christ that will work powerfully within you. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you as sinners who are selfish, who live for all sorts of things, um, that's, not, that's worthless. That's, uh, that's, not, uh, that's not good. Lord, would you fix our eyes on the greatness of the Lord Jesus and the gospel that we receive, the fullness of God that is in him and the promises um, that's in, uh, in, in him and the hope of glory that we might want to contend for the gospel. Lord, help us to do this when it's hard and help us to know your great power in doing it. And thank you so much for many uh, people in the church who are already doing it, who are so self-sacrificial. Thank you so much for the examples of the people who are doing it. Encourage us as we go forward. Lord, may, uh, may we in Shatin Church, all of us, grow in Christ this year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.